Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello and welcome to this hour of The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and it's such an honor to be able to spend this time every single day with you as together we try and understand how God is speaking in our lives, look at different areas that impact us in our faith journey, and we do that with the help of different spiritual directors that join us here every hour. So we're here finally in summer, right? Uh, It truly is the season of summer. Do you have seasonal allergies? I'm on the tail end of mine. Uh, My wife, Baylen, her worst time of year is the fall, all the leaves on the ground, everything turning colder. But for me, it's definitely in the spring, late April, May, June, itchy eyes, sneezing, all of that that goes along with it. And since Belen knows that I get pretty hard, uh, hit pretty hard in those, those spring months, years ago, we needed to buy a new lawnmower. Our old one had given up on it, <laughs> on, on the work we were trying to have it do. She started exploring different options that might allow me to be able to spend a little less time mowing the lawn in the spring months save me from being outside, you know, with all those allergy symptoms that come on stronger the longer you're out there. And so Baylen, she finally settled on trying uh, for us something that was fairly new at the time. It's a robo mower was what it was called. You know, the name tells you what it is. It's a robot that mows your lawn. And I think she originally bought it back in 2007 for us. Now there are a variety of different companies that make these robotic lawnmowers. But at the time, it was pretty new. And the basic premise of how it works, you have a wire that's buried very, very shallowly in your yard, maybe an inch or less underground, goes around the perimeter of your yard. And this has that electric signal that tells the mower where the edges of the lawn are. Uh, It's similar to the setup of an invisible fence for a pet, if you're familiar with that, uh, that, that system. And then the robot, the mower, It goes over your lawn inside that perimeter, moving in random zigzag patterns. It mulches whatever it cuts until the entire lawn is mowed. It's kind of like one of those Roomba vacuum cleaners, but it's for your yard. And if the lawn is longer, you know, a little longer when it starts cutting the grass, the zigzag pattern, uh, I always described it as it looks like a drunk barber just buzzing clippers randomly through somebody's hair. But once it was set up and working, it did a fine job, you know, and it was fun to watch the cars that would drive by our yard every once in a while. Many drivers slowing down, coming to a complete stop, just looking for several seconds, watching in curiosity this little robotic lawnmower. Uh, If we were outside, we'd get the question, is that really doing what I think it's doing? Yeah, yeah, it's mowing the lawn. And so... 
it not only helped for my allergies in the spring, but it also just saved me several hours of work, yard work each year. But a few years ago, it started having problems. The motor, the, the mower, it has two large rear wheels that are connected to the motor. Those are the two driving wheels. They control all the movement of the mower. And for some reason, one of the wheels, it began having issues. It would rotate slower than the other wheel. They were both still turning, just at different speeds now. And instead of being able to move forward in a straight line and zigzag, now our robo-mower would be moving in these large circles, the faster moving wheel. It was kind of forcing the mower to constantly turn around that slower moving wheel. And this meant it really couldn't cover the entire yard anymore. It would just slowly get certain sections, but mainly it was in that circular pattern. So we had these patches of our lawn where it was mowing. It almost looked like mini crop circles that it was trying to cut out there in the grass now. Well, you know, sometimes in relationships, we can find ourselves moving at different speeds. If it's just a friendship, you know, one friend might find that they're kind of moving on more rapidly, leaving the other friend a little behind because they're not moving at the same pace in whatever area of life that we might be looking at. But if it's with your spouse, if you're married, you've made that commitment to stay together. And if one of you is moving ahead in a certain area of life and the other one is moving slowly or even stagnating, it causes problems. You might find yourself kind of going in circles like that robo-mower making very little progress because you're not working together to move forward smoothly. And this can happen in all kinds of areas of life. You know, we all have different strengths and talents, so it's almost a given, almost certain that you will excel in certain areas and your spouse is going to excel in other areas. And this is also possible in the realm of spirituality. You might be far more advanced in your faith while your spouse is at a much different place. Or maybe it's the other way around, where your spouse... They're far ahead of you in their knowledge of the faith and their prayer life, while you're the one that's kind of struggling to try and keep up. Or maybe you're Catholic and your spouse isn't. There's just a complete disconnect when it comes to faith. So how do you keep growing in your faith while not leaving your spouse behind? What do you do when you both aren't on the same page when it comes to matters of faith? That's what we want to discuss here on The Inner Life today. And joining us as our spiritual director, I'm very glad to welcome back to the program Father Matthew Spencer. Father Matthew is a priest of the Oblates of St. Joseph. He's the provincial superior and the shrine director for the Oblates of St. Joseph, located in Santa Cruz, California. Father Matthew, welcome back to The Inner Life. Thank you, Josh. What a pleasure to, to join you today. All right. So do you have to mow the lawn where you live at all? I, I mean, I was wrapped with attention just listening, thinking we have so much yard work here at the Shrine of St. Joseph. Uh, I would like little crop circles on our lawns. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that would attract more visitors and pilgrims to the Shrine, you know. Uh, yeah, it no, sounds, it, sounds it, amazing, but my, my experience with technology is it usually disappoints me. So I don't want to get my hopes up too too high. <laughs> No. Well, like I say, there's all kinds of uh, different companies that make these now. Mm. Uh, I, I looked it up this morning just out of curiosity. But yeah, there's there's probably at least a dozen different options out there. But uh, but it, it is it is a, a fun little uh, conversation starter when somebody sees one of those in your yard. But, but again, talking about 
when, yeah, we don't want to be going in circles in our marriage. Uh, but before we get into married life itself, maybe we can start our conversation uh, addressing the situation before entering into marriage. If somebody's listening right now, they're currently single, but they believe God is calling them to the vocation of marriage, to family life. Can you talk about what St. Paul describes as being unequally yoked, why it really is important as a Catholic, to find somebody who else, you know, that, that, that person that you will spend your life with that is also Catholic, if at all possible. You know, it's very fascinating when we look back to Second Corinthians, St. Paul, of course, St. Paul wrote a lot about marriage because marriage is such an important vocation in the church. It's such an important vocation for creation, right? God, God established marriage, the one, the one blessing that was, uh, that was not lost by, by original sin. Uh, and so we look to marriage as this really, really essential institution for society and for, for the holiness of husbands and wives. But St. Paul was, was acutely aware of the challenges that early believers were having in their marriage. And they would, they would uh, become Christian or maybe be raised Christian, but then fall in love with somebody who wasn't Christian uh, and then become, as you as you mentioned, yoked. That is to say, uh, married to to those who are don't share their the same faith, and then they would fall away. Right? They would fall away from their Christian practice. They would be sometimes even led astray uh, by a by a maybe a, a misguided spouse or misguided community. And so Saint Paul saw firsthand this this danger. But Josh, what what's fascinating to me is, of course, in the early church. It was much harder to find a spouse who was already Christian, right? Because right. Christianity yep. is is just beginning and spreading, and so necessarily people were going to going to fall in love and and in fact have to enter into marriage with those who maybe didn't share the faith. But Saint Paul was was very cautious of this because of the dangers that husbands and wives would face. Now he also ends up going on to say that. He wishes more people would be like him, called to a vocation of single life, because he then says, you know, when when you're single, you can be worried about the things of God, but when you're married, you're worried about the things of the world, how to make your spouse happy, you know? And so there is kind of that also realization that um, it really is a calling, a vocation, whether it's to remain single or whether it is to enter into marriage. And um, he actually talks about that call to single life being kind of a higher calling. Uh, you know, as a celibate man, I can, I can really appreciate. Now, I want to be clear here. You know, the, the, the church invites priests to be celibate under normal circumstances, uh, not principally because of utility, right? Not because maybe we need more time, we need a, we don't have time to attend to a family and all that. Uh, no, the principal reason is that there's a witness that the priest gives and that the celibate uh, individual witnesses to by their life. But I do have to say, Josh, that that it's a lot of work to be married, right? It's a lot of work to attend to the needs of your spouse. It's a lot of work to raise a family. And, and as a priest, I, I can see just very concretely how, how being celibate 
gives me more time to to attend to rather important matters in the church, right? Whether it's the sacramental life, whether it's preaching, uh, etc. Not everybody is called to celibacy. In fact, the majority of people are in fact called to marriage and to faithful right. commitment in marriage. But St. Paul is right, and the church has always has always preached that objectively, objectively, the life, uh, the celibate life, is uh, re- reflects more closely the life of Jesus. Now, subjectively, if I'm called to marriage, it's better that I get married than remain single, right? So subjectively, each person has to consider their own calling. But all other things being equal, St. Paul will point out that there is, a, there is a special commitment that a celibate person can make to the Lord. Well, so of people that you've known, and you don't have to share you know, specifics, but maybe do you see common or repeated themes of problems in married couples where one is Catholic and the other is of a different faith, or maybe you know, the, the other one doesn't really have any sort of faith background at all? Uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I, I don't want to generalize, but I have to say that I was uh, not prepared as a, as a new priest for, to, to help so many couples who, who didn't share the faith. Uh, now, what's interesting, Josh, is that some couples are both Catholic when they get married, and then they, they, they take different journeys in their faith sure. life. And some deepen their faith, others begin to wander from the faith. And that, that alone, <laughs> even sharing the common background of the Catholic faith becomes, uh, can, can contribute so much tension and difficulty to a marriage without, without even couples realizing it. I mean, it, it creeps in very slowly, this, this different uh, zeal that, that couples uh, and spouses will have. Now, then you put together a husband and wife that don't share the faith that tension is increased tenfold, right? I mean, that, that tension becomes so difficult, or can, I should say, become so difficult. Again, I don't, don't want to generalize too much. I know some couples who have been able to navigate with, with relative ease their, their differences in faiths. But in my experience, that's, that's the, the, the exception to the norm. The norm is that, that from what I've seen, is that couples who don't share uh, a con- their common Catholic value and faith uh, will have a, a, a much more difficult time, especially for the Catholic spouse, will have a much more difficult time uh, making that marriage work long term. I'm talking with Father Matthew Spencer here on The Inner Life today, and want to invite your phone calls at 888-914-9149. Uh, today talking about if you're in that relationship with your spouse where you're not on the same page spiritually and maybe did you start your marriage with your spouse at a different place in in your faith journey Uh, what helped you to come together to come and be united uh, make it through it as a couple and how did you find that unity or maybe you're in that situation that father matthew is talking about where there's that tension um, you're struggling in your marriage right now a little bit in this area of faith, and you are looking for some advice, some encouragement. You have some questions. You're welcome to call us at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, and our email address is innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. Uh, so, you know, what you're talking about, this is exactly what happened for my wife and I. Uh, we fell in love. I wasn't Catholic. She was. She grew up Catholic. 
and we would have some conversations about religion when we were dating, but it wasn't really until our first child was born that was where all of a sudden the question of baptism, I had grown up Baptist where the belief was the individual has to make the choice for themselves. They wouldn't be baptized until that point. In the Catholic Church, of course, we look at this baptism as kind of a fulfillment of circumcision. It is the initiation into the family of God, and we take this responsibility as parents on ourselves to raise our children in the faith. Um, So we had this back and forth of what do we do? And of course, that brought out all kinds of other questions at that point, areas where we thought we were kind of united. All of a sudden, we started seeing all these different areas that came up that uh, maybe we weren't quite as on the same page as we thought when we were dating or very early in our marriage. So if somebody finds themselves in that sort of situation, they married out of love, still love each other, you know, want, want to be committed, but the spouse isn't Catholic and maybe doesn't show any signs of converting. Uh, any kind of initial advice on where to begin on trying to move forward in that relationship? Well, first of all, Josh, I, I give thanks to God for for your own journey, right? I mean, now here you are, Catholic, of course, and sharing your faith with, with so many people daily across the world. It's it's a testament to the fact that it can work out, right? That marriage between oh, a Catholic yeah, and a non-Catholic absolutely can. But my, my wife, she was at peace, though, knowing in those early years of our marriage, he might never convert. It just yeah. might be this is our life. And and so, yeah, she she was actually caught off guard when I said, I, I think I want to start going to RCIA. Hmm. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, my, my, I mean, my first thoughts, Josh, is that, um, you know, when we're, when we're engaged, when we're, when we're, uh, experiencing the pull of love, it feels like, it feels like love can conquer everything, right? It feels like no matter what differences there are, um, whether it's geographic, whether it's faith, whether it's the values we hold, we, we imagine that somehow our love for our, our fiancé or our boyfriend or girlfriend might, will, will just help us to overcome everything. In practice, though, I think that's, that's rather naive, right? Even though we've all experienced that. Because, uh, because inevitably these, these things arise. The questions that you, you pointed out, well, now we have a new baby, are we going to baptize the child or not? What church are we going to take them to on Sunday or not? And when they start to reach the age of reason, what are we going to educate them when it comes to to faith? And I think first and foremost, preparation, discussion, communication about these things is is absolutely essential. Um, I know I know too many couples who, even having gone through Catholic marriage preparation, never really talked deeply about how many kids they wanted, how they were going to raise their children in the faith, or or if they did talk about it, it was rather um, non-committal, right? So they'd say, "Oh yeah, yeah, it, I, I'm open either way. We'll we'll cross that bridge once we get there," uh, not realizing that they actually have strong feelings about it, or that or that the early years of marriage will will create these strong feelings about it. Um, so I think communication is essential, talking about these things before getting married. I think considering very, very carefully, very honestly, very seriously, 
these these topics that will eventually arise is a good is a good way to prepare for how you can how you can work on those things as spouses you know there's also the fact too though i and it might be a parent who's listening thinking okay i've got my young adult child it looks like they're moving toward marriage i don't know if my or my wife's parents could have said anything at that point. You know, I mean, when you're in your early 20s, you think you know a lot more than you really do. I've seen that with my own kids who are that age, you know. And you have to kind of make it through life a little bit to realize how much you don't know, to be humbled a little bit. And uh, so I, I, I guess if you find yourself as a parent who's looking at your adult child, they're kind of on that road any suggestion of something that you might be able to say? I mean, I, I, I've said this many times on this program before. Everything should start with prayer. I, that, that's where everything should begin in any of these questions I'm asking. You know, it should be, well, of course, you pray for your child, you p- pray for their future spouse, whoever that might be. But then assuming that that is being done, after that, any advice on what you might be able to do maybe to communicate or kind of you know, impress upon your child, this might be something you need to take more seriously than just have that love will conquer all attitude. Hmm. Yeah, uh, prayer is essential, as, as you point out. Um, I'm thinking of, I, I don't remember where I saw this, whether this was uh, in a, something I read or something I saw online, but I remember reading something about, uh, you know, when I was 16, I was amazed how ignorant my father was. But by the age of 26, I was amazed how much he had learned, right? Yep, uh, yep. How, when we're young, we, we think our parents don't know anything. And it's only with, with maturing that we start to realize, oh, they, they actually have something to say to me. And I think that's a, that's a reminder that we have, to, we have to approach our adult children, especially uh, with respect for, for their own adulthood, for their own uh, process of figuring things out. Uh, we don't. We shouldn't treat them as toddlers anymore, right? We should. We should allow them to make their own decisions and respect their their own free will. Uh, it doesn't mean that we'll like all the decisions that they make. And and one important thing that parents should always be doing is communicating and talking about those decisions with their children. Not necessarily second guessing them. Not necessarily uh, lecturing them. And certainly not nagging them, which which doesn't doesn't turn to conversion in my experience. Uh, but but uh, maintaining and deepening a relationship with your with your adult child who might be considering entering into a relationship that you think could be problematic. I think the most important thing is that you make sure that there is still trust, that there are still open channels of communication, because if if that communication isn't there, then it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you have, what wisdom you have to give them. Uh, if they're not ready to hear it, then it won't. It'll fall on deaf ears. Uh, so you, I think, uh, Josh, we try and try and respect other people's decisions that they have to make, while also providing, when the opportunity arises, our own perspective, our own experience, with love, in truth, sharing sharing what we think, uh, and then also realizing, well, I don't see the whole picture here. My adult child has their own uh, maybe issues that they're they're grappling with, their own emotions and love that they're they're handling. And um and so I need to need to be there to support them, uh, come come good things or bad things. 
Father Matthew Spencer is our spiritual director here during this hour of The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And uh, are you in that sort of marriage where you and your spouse, maybe you did start at different places, you were able to come together? What helped you to find that unity in the faith? Or maybe this is something that is currently going on for you right now. You know, you're, you're married and you love your spouse, but for whatever reason, you're just not on the same page when it comes to your faith. And you would like some advice, you have some questions, and you'd like to speak with Father Matthew Spencer, you can call us at 888-914-9149, or email innerlife at relevantradio.com. And we'll be back with your phone calls and more with Father Matthew in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. We receive over a million prayer requests every year, thanks in part to the Catholic Order of Foresters Studio Line, helping us stay connected to your intentions. Learn how our sponsor can support your family with life insurance at relevantradio.com slash forester, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, joined by Father Matthew Spencer, a priest with the Oblates of St. Joseph. Today talking about when you're in a married relationship and you are Catholic, your spouse isn't. And the dynamics that are at play there, how you can try and find unity, how you can try and move forward in your faith life with uh, not being held back, but also hopefully bringing your spouse along with you. Uh, difficult situation, but hopefully uh, we're going to be able to give some hope here during this hour. It's not impossible. Uh, you can still have that goal of helping each other to heaven. Uh, our studio line, if you'd like to call in, 888-914-9149. Maybe you're in that situation right now and you have a question, you'd like to speak with Father Matthew. Uh, maybe you've been in that situation, but you made it through. What helped you to find that unity in your your faith journey that helped you both come together, be on the same page eventually. 888-914-9149. Father, let's go to Mike, who's listening to us in Orange County, California. Mike, so glad to have you calling in. Welcome to The Inner Life. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, thanks for uh, letting me uh, talk about um, what's going on. Uh, so my situation is that my wife was not Catholic, um, but converted when we got married. And um, over the years, she's kind of gone less and less. And now uh, she, she used to go, it, like, go to the Easter and, and Christmas Mass, and now she's uh, kind of stopped doing that as well. I've asked her to join me in church. Um, she says, uh, you know, I know you really want me to sit next to you in a pew. And so she doesn't, like, going to Mass, I mean, for all practical purposes, for I think people that, you know, are Catholic and going to Mass, they, you know, if you're not going to Mass ever, you know, you don't believe in confession, then how can you say you're Catholic? And that's kind of where she's at. Um, and I'm, I don't know what to do about it. I worry about her on a spiritual level, um, but I would never say that to her because, you know, I mean, you know, if I were to give that impression, it would start a fight. And this 
kind of dichotomy in where we're at. And, and I'm not a perfect Catholic. So not coming at this like, you know, I'm this great Catholic. Uh, you know, I have my own struggles. I miss mass occasionally myself. I do things wrong. I'm not this perfect person either. But um, I, I, the difference, I think, is that when I do something wrong, I recognize it and say that was wrong, and I go to confession and, you know, and try to do it better and stuff. She, she has abandoned, like, recognizing that it's wrong to miss mass. She's, you know, recognizing that it's, it's wrong to never go to confession, just to just be against confession. Um, and so, you know, and it's spilled over onto the kids you know, the kids have stopped going and they're all teenagers, 16 to 20 years old, oldest one in college. And Mike, I'm going to jump in because I think we've got, you know, kind of what's going on here. And I want to give Father Matthew a chance to respond too. so uh, Father Matthew, I mean, you know, difficult situation here. um, And there's a number of different uh, kind of facets that Mike is talking about. What do you think? What's uh, yeah, (laughs) what's where do we start here? Sure. Well, Mike, I, I'm grateful that you call in. I think your your situation uh, would resonate with a lot of our listeners, right? Who whose own spouses might not be, might not just be not not only not on fire for the faith, but maybe even just have become lukewarm or have wandered from from the essential elements of our faith. Um, what I what I would say to you, Mike, is that um, basically what you're describing is a situation that John Paul II uh, was referring to when it comes to the new evangelization. Right? He's John Paul II for so much of his pontificate was trying to help us realize that so much of our efforts at evangelization have to do with the people right next to us, the people in our families who are baptized, who are Catholic. By, by background, but maybe have not been practicing. And how do, we, how do we invite them to deepen their love for Jesus and to live that faith well? And I think, first of all, Mike, uh, give thanks to God for some very positive, some very positive blessings that I, I can see so clearly. First of all, your, your wife is Catholic, right? Your wife does have the blessing of, of the sacraments. Your wife, and while maybe right now it's that, that grace seems a little dormant, uh, that's a huge step, right? That's a huge important part of this. So we give thanks to God for the sacramental grace that, that is available to her. Uh, we give thanks to God for the other positive aspects of your relationship, communication, uh, harmony between you on other things. All of that creates a, a wonderful foundation for you to to begin this or or renew your efforts of evangelization, Mike. And I would say, how do you how do you do that? You try to communicate to your wife why you love your faith, not not by quoting the catechism, not by um, not by trying to you know shove scripture down her throat but rather by just pointing out that you will not be the person that you are without confession. You would not be the person that you are without the Eucharist. You would not be the person that you are without your Catholic faith and practicing your Catholic faith. And it's a subtle way of basically trying to share with her what you find so valuable, what you find so helpful. And so rather than, I know that she she feels that you want her next to you in the pews, and I'm sure you do, Mike, you want her sitting next to you in the pews, but 
more more deeply, what we want is for her to find happiness in Jesus Christ. More importantly, what we want is for her to embrace the path and, and salvation that Jesus Christ makes available to us. And, and to do that, what we want to do is share with her how, why we love Jesus and why we are uh, committed to confession, why we're committed to Mass. And so I see some very concrete things you could do, Mike, is to work, first, first of all, for yourself in these areas, to make sure that you're getting to Mass every Sunday, because that's a witness to her. That's you saying, look, this is a, such an important priority that I'm going to go. And that speaks volumes, uh, especially when you come from maybe a, a less consistent observance of that. Uh, make time to go to confession monthly. And let her know, right? I'm, I'm, oh, I'm headed over to the church this Saturday morning, going to go make a quick confession. Then when you come home, you're going to be sweeter to her. You're going to be kinder to her. You're going to be nicer to her. She's going to see that your confession leads you to be a better man. And that, that speaks more than, than words. That speaks more than, than trying to convince her of why she needs to come to the to, to mass and to, to back to the sacraments. So I'd say that's where you start, Mike. Yeah. Build on the good that you have. Work on your own conversion, your own consistency, and that will, that will witness to your own wife. Uh, as you're saying this too, you know, that that comes to my mind here. And I don't know that this is necessarily the situation in Mike's case, Father. Um, it might not be, but, you know, he said that his wife converted when they were getting married. And I've known other people who have said, oh, I, I converted for my wife. You know, she was Catholic. It was important to her. And at that point, that conversion, it might not be that heartfelt conversion then you know it's it's doing it on behalf of someone else where what you're talking about mike sharing this is why i'm a better person because of the faith because of what i have access to through, through the sacraments really it's because of having a personal encounter with christ himself and if that person that spouse has gone through the actions of coming into the church but still has never had that real personal encounter that's such an important key aspect that needs to to be recognized. And it doesn't mean you can force them to have a personal encounter, but I think it goes back to what you were saying. It really has to be based on your witness, on you saying, this is what fulfills me spiritually. And I want this for you, but I can't I can't give it to you. It's you have to you have to walk that path on your own. Yeah, it's rather mysterious, marriage uh, itself, in the sense that sometimes I see, as you, as, you, as you observe, and may or may not be the case in Mike's situation, that a spouse becomes Catholic, maybe to appease the in-laws, or maybe because, oh, hey, I want what my fiancé has, uh, but yeah. maybe they do it without a full, full understanding or full intent, and so their, their conversion maybe is not yet complete. Um, but on the other hand, I've seen it <laughs> actually the opposite case where somebody who who becomes Catholic in order to get married then becomes the real zealous one and has to pull along this cradle Catholic with them and try to get them to come to mass and get them to take it more seriously. Right. It's really it's really curious and mysterious how how these how the workings of grace and of faith work in our life and how God touches us at different points. But I, I do think it underlines. An important part of marriage is that you're you're called to to carry each other 
along the way to the Lord. And, and sometimes your spouse is going is gonna to be dragged kicking and screaming uh, right along the way. And sometimes you're going to be the one that's being dragged by, by the example of your spouse, uh, almost without us wanting it, but ultimately for, for our good. So yeah, it's a, it's a it's a difficult thing to know and especially especially in the moment it, it's really hard isn't it Josh to know what our faith life will look like in 10 years in 20 years and we pray that oh, it's that's impossible. more vibrant, yeah. <laughs> more zealous but it, it's really hard to know and rather scary to think that we could we could easily go astray if we're not careful. That's right. That's right. Therefore, but the grace of God go I. Um, uh, Father Matthew Spencer, again, our spiritual director here on The Inner Life, and our phone number, 888-914-9149. As we're discussing today, how you approach marriage when you are married to somebody who is not of the same faith. Maybe they're uh, evangelical or Protestant, maybe of a completely different faith. Uh, Maybe they don't really have any faith background at all. And how can you find unity in that area? 888-914-9149. If you've been in that situation and you've found that unity, we'd love to hear how that came about. Uh, But maybe you're living in that situation and you have a question and you'd like to speak with Father Matthew. 888-914-9149. Father, we've got Sherry, who's listening in Rhode Island. Sherry, thanks for calling in. Hello. <laughs> Excuse me, Patrick. Um, um, uh, yeah, m- my husband and I uh, were married in the Catholic Church. He was raised Catholic, went to Catholic school and all of that. And I, I was raised Catholic, kind of. Um, basically, what happened was my mother dropped me off at the church, and I went inside and did whatever I was told to do. And I went to catechism and did whatever I was told to do. And um, once I finished all of that, then I left the church and didn't really pay it any mind until much later in life. um, I found out about the Catholic charismatic movement and I joined that. Um, And then uh, my husband, my husband later, uh, we, we, we got married later. Um, it was both of our second marriages and um, he joined the charismatic movement as well. So we got married in the church. Um, Then um, the gifts that my husband was given were very powerful. um, And he began to feel like um, he was going nowhere in the Catholic church. Nobody could teach him, you know, how to use his gifts, what to do with them, all of that. So he eventually left the church and found a church where they would teach him what to do with all of that. And now he wants me, obviously, to leave the church and go and follow him and go to, um, you know, so that I can grow and learn. And, you know, he says that I'm totally stagnant because I'm stuck here in the Catholic church and why I want to be here. He has no clue. But um, anyway, I just I, I, I don't know what to do with that. Am I supposed to leave the Catholic church? I don't feel like I should. Uh, I, I, I believe, you know, it, I believe in the Eucharist and, you know, my husband, my husband really doesn't. He believes that it's just common union that, you know, you're just um, united to the Lord and, and, you know, you can talk to him and whatever. And of course, whenever I say, you know, that the Lord comes into us, you know, because of transubstantiation and all of that, he says, oh, well, what does he do? Jump in, jump out, jump in, jump out. You got to go and, ha- you know, receive him every week. And you can't, you know, it just, I don't know how to answer these questions. And I, I, I don't know what you do with that. Yeah. Well, Sherry, first of all, um, I, I think this is a wonderful uh, illustration 
of, of the dangers of leaving the Catholic Church. Your husband left the Catholic Church for, for I'm sorry to say, very poor reasons, right? I, I can understand it in the sense that a lot of times our, our spiritual needs might not be met by our local parish, and so we start looking around, where can my spiritual needs be met? But that's not the answer to, to, uh, to go to leave the church that Jesus founded for rather rather for reasons that aren't essential, right? Um, and I think what what happens when we do that, and your 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 husband's case, without without trying to speak ill of your husband, your husband's case, I think, uh, reminds us that when when we're attracted to leave the Catholic Church, we start attending a different um, Christian church or or non Christian church for that matter, then we start. Uh, we start uh, digesting thoughts and things that are not true. For example, misconceptions of the Eucharist, misunderstandings of what the church is, misunderstandings of who Jesus is. And unfortunately, this is uh, apparently what happened with your husband, that now he's become even even antagonistic towards you and towards the church. Uh, why? Because he hasn't been nourished at the altar of the Lord in the Catholic Church, because he's been receiving instruction and preaching from places that don't have the fullness of truth. Now, let me stop there because I don't want to be negative only about the situation. Uh, don't leave the Catholic Church, Sherry. That's not the, that's not the the solution here. Although it might bring about some temporary peace between you and your husband. It won't solve the problem. Why? Because then you won't be able, you won't have access to the Eucharist. You won't have access to the same sacramental graces we need. Uh, so remain in the Catholic Church. I think what you do, Sherry, is you have to start learning how to respond to these objections that your husband brings up. And to challenge him, and not just to accept what he says about, oh, the Eucharist, it's, it's just, um, it's a crazy belief that, you know, Catholics, Jesus is just popping in and popping out. That's not true, right? That's just not theologically a good understanding of, of what we believe the Eucharist to be. But you can learn. You can learn by listening to relevant radio. You can learn by picking up really good books. You can learn by, by reading material that is, that is solid and, and orthodox. And the more that you know, the more you'll be able to gently respond to your your husband's criticisms and hopefully eventually invite him back. And I would say also provide your own uh, food for thought for your husband. It's not to create arguments between you, but to say, you know, there's more maybe that, that we could talk about that maybe you're missing out on, which is the Eucharist, of course, which is the fullness of the church, which is understanding scripture and who gets to interpret scripture. Um, all of these are good questions that, that would make for good conversation with your husband. But don't leave the church, Sherry. That's not going to help your marriage. It's certainly not going to resolve the bigger issues, which is the salvation of your soul and the salvation of your husband's soul. Talking with Father Matthew Spencer, taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149 today as we're discussing when you're married, but you're not on the same page when it comes to the faith. Maybe you're Catholic and your spouse is of a different faith or it doesn't really have any faith background at all. How do you navigate that as a married couple? And we're taking your phone calls again at 888-914-9149. And we'll take more of your calls coming up next here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant radio app.
This was the song that my wife and I had our first dance to at our wedding. I'm joking. I'm, it's really not. It's really not. Welcome back to The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond, and I'm joined by Father Matthew Spencer. He's a priest of the Oblates of St. Joseph. He's a provincial superior and the shrine director for the Oblates of St. Joseph, based out of Santa Cruz in California. And today, talking about when we, are, when we have that disunity in our marriage when it comes to faith. Maybe you're Catholic and your wife or your husband isn't. How do you navigate that territory? How do you find unity as a couple? And also welcoming your phone calls at 888-914-9149. Father, let's go back to the phones. Dan is calling in from Belgrade, Montana. Dan, thanks for joining us here on The Inner Life today. Good morning. My situation is such that uh, I was Catholic, grown up Catholic, practicing Catholic when I met my wife. And we got married in the Catholic Church. And uh, I knew she wasn't really that much. I wish. Uh, anyway, fast forward to now, and I'd say three or four years ago, I really got on fire with my faith. A lot of it due to relevant radio, and I'm, I'm I mean that, and started going to church, uh, going and do other things b- during the week. And one time, uh, and she wasn't she wasn't interested in any of this. She grew up Methodist, and that was it. Well, there was one time she told me. Uh, it seems as if you're more you love the church more than you love me. And that took me from overdrive all the way back to first gear. Hmm. And it has been a struggle for me. Uh she is comfortable where she's at and that's not doing anything. I've asked her, I've told her that she has a standing uh, invitation to go to Mass. Her biggest hang-up is, I have told her that, you know, well, anyway, she got baptized and came into the church, but it didn't stick. She loves getting the Eucharist, but I told her if you're not practicing, then you've got to go to confession uh, first, and that turned her off big time. She doesn't understand that. Dan, so, this sounds like a very difficult situation just, here, and we're running a little short on time, so I'm going to let Father Matthew respond. Um, you know, the, the the line that stood out to me, Father, you know, it sounds like you love the Church more than you love me. Dan's wife saying that to him there. Yeah, that's a very painful thing to hear, I'm sure, for, for, for you, Dan. Um, why? Because you certainly love your wife very much, and you certainly love her very deeply. And it's not a competition between between your love for her and your love for Jesus and for his church. But if that's how she's experiencing it, then I think um, I think it's important to take that into consideration in your life. It's not that it's not that it's true. But when that's her her experience, then I think you have to meet her where she's at and then to help her to see that your love for the church 
is a reflection of your love for her and and vice versa, right? I mean, your your love for her is also only possible because of Jesus and Jesus's relationship in your life. Uh, now, how do you how do you do that? I think practically, what you do there's there's something behind questions like that, right? Uh, it's not just uh, I mean that's a very broad accusation that she she would make, but but. Behind that question, I think there's there are things like, well, she's doesn't get the same attention and time from you that she she feels you give to to the church and to your ministries. Uh, maybe it has to do with the the amount that you talk about it, or or maybe the 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 way that she doesn't feel like her her own interests are being considered. Uh, so I think for me for me, Dan, it's it's an invitation that maybe the Lord is giving you. I'm really happy that she was comfortable enough to be to be honest and truthful with you about her feelings i wouldn't interpret that as um as just the absolute truth because clearly she can't know your heart and can't know the levels of love that you have for 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 things but but it does indicate wh- how she feels and what she's experiencing and i think this goes josh just more generally for all of us in our walk with jesus uh, it shouldn't become uh, our our love for Jesus should also be seen in our love for others. Our, our our commitment to the church should lead us to be all the more committed to others. And sometimes it can happen that my love for the church leads me to spend an inordinate inordinate amount of time with maybe my ministries or with my my different scripture groups or whatever that might be, and it takes me away from personal relationships that are also a responsibility I have in my vocation. So there's always that that kind of equilibrium that we need to find to make sure that we're we're expressing and sharing that love yeah. with others the way we need to. Well, the other thing I'm thinking in a lot of relationships too, you, you have to be cautious on the approach and the way that you communicate so that it is done in a loving manner. You know, it's so easy uh, when we have this, you know, we think we know what's best for our spouse, what they should be doing, and then that can come off as judgmental. We might have a tendency to try and lay on a little bit of guilt, which we would call, you know, good guilt, but that can have the opposite effect. You know, it can be a deterrent, uh, make somebody more resistant to the faith rather than draw them to it. So, uh, you know, each situation is going to be different in each marriage, but there is there is just you, you have to you have to pray for some wisdom there and uh you know that might be a good uh final uh, thought here father uh just have a couple seconds left but any specific prayers you might recommend that a couple prays that can help draw them into that unity uh well i think certainly working to have a common prayer life together which to me means focusing on the basic prayers right uh, out the Our Father, the Psalms we can pray, you can pray either together as couples or pray for, for one another. But having a common, common prayer language goes a long way in, in helping couples support each other. Yeah, yeah, great. Well, Father Matthew, thank you for being with us. Uh, we've got about 20 seconds here. Can I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners? Heavenly Father, I ask you to look kindly and mercifully on all husbands and wives, especially as they try to share their faith with each other. And may Almighty God bless all of our listeners, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
Amen. Thank you so much, Father Matthew. Thanks also to Nick Sentovich and Thomas N. Gesser for their help in producing the program. Stay tuned. We've got Mass coming up next here on Relevant Radio. Hope you have a blessed weekend. We'll talk with you again on Monday.